0: Aaron, if you could turn in your Bibles with me, please, to Deuteronomy. You don't hear that too often these days from a preacher, do you? Deuteronomy, chapter 7. We're going to be reading from there in a minute. Can I ask you a question? Is there anyone here this evening that has a dream? That's three of us. Any any takers on a dream? How about this? What about a desire? You may not have had some kind of you know wonderful vision or anything, but you have a desire, you have a hankering, a passion to see something take place in your life. Is there anybody in this room tonight who would love for God to make that happen quickly? Yeah. Come put your hand up. But if, be honest enough. Would you like to wake up tomorrow morning and you're there, wherever you're there happens to be your promised land? Are you not a little tired? as some of us are in the room, of singing about the promised land. Is there not some part of you that thinks, when? How? How about now? Thank you, Jesus. Well, the trouble is with that type of thinking is it ends up causing us to get a little frustrated along the journey. And more importantly, it robs us of every upgrade in our fellowship with God on that adventure. Sometimes we're in such a hurry to get to wherever there is, we don't realize that he's here. He's with us on the journey. He's not standing far off in the distance, beckoning us to come, although he is a God of the present and the future. He's right here in the midst of our circumstances. And I wonder if if tomorrow morning you woke up or I woke up and you were inheriting the fullness of the promise or the dream or the passion or the desire of your heart, what upgrades and revelations and fellowship and connection with God would be lacking as a result of that quick fix response to your dream? A number of years ago, I used to work in a thing called show business. Has anybody heard of show business? Give me a wave if you've heard of show business. I remember chatting to one of the top comedians in our nation and uh, he had suddenly found himself in the throes of fame. And I'd worked with him many, many times over many, many years and nobody was interested and then all of a sudden he was on a television show. And that television show led into his own show. And uh, have you heard of Joe Pasquale? You heard of Joe Pasquale? He's got that little squeaky voice. That was a great impersonation. If you knew who he was, you'd have known how powerful that was. And I was saying to him, Joe, how do you feel about being an overnight success? He said, I feel fine. It's taken me 35 years to get here. And the truth is that sometimes we look at other people's lives and we look at other people's journeys, and it seems to have happened very quickly for them. It's almost like it's instantaneously given to them that they arrive in their abundance. And yet for people like you and I, Maybe the opposite is true. It could be a number of years. We could have been waiting a long time for God to do something quickly. <laughs> and we pray all these prayers, and then suddenly, but if you look back over the suddenlies in the Bible, there's a backstory. The suddenly may have happened quickly, but actually the preparation was long term. God is a God who keeps his promises but it's true to say that for them to materialize, he has a process. There are certain things that need to happen in us and happen around us to prepare us for all that God has for us. So we live each day of our lives between the promise of God and our own progress towards it. So let's read together Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 21 to 24. It starts by declaring something, it says, Do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God who is among you is a great and awesome God. Now that would be a great place for someone to say amen. Amen. Because on life's journey, sometimes it looks like everybody else is winning and you're living in retreat or defeat. But that's not the truth. No matter what you see with your natural eye, no matter what you feel in your heart, no matter what your circumstances are, The Lord would declare over your life today, Do not be afraid of them. Do not be terrified by them. Why? For the Lord your God, who is amongst you, God on our journey, is a great and awesome God. Verse 22. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. Aren't you grateful that your adversaries are no match for the God of glory? Amen. Notice this little phrase little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or the wild animals will multiply around you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed. He will give their kings into your hand and you will wipe out their names from under heaven. No one will be able to stand up against you You will destroy them. And I'm sure the Lord will bless the reading of his word. Let me just say something to you before we take our little adventure tonight in discovering how it is that God takes us from where we are to where he desires us to be. The first thing I want you to understand is this, that God wants you to be powerfully favoured. He also wants you to be supernaturally gifted and abundantly successful. Why don't we say that together? God wants me to be powerfully favored. Well, if you were trying to sell it to me, I'm not sure I'd have bought that. Okay, I think when we're making a declaration, it needs to have a little bit more passion attached to it. Otherwise, it sounds like just information here's how you sounded to me. God wants me to be powerfully (laughs) favoured. Should we try it again? Let's try it again. Are you ready? Do you think maybe you need to stand? Do you not feel a little bit more empowered when you stand? People are saying, no, we love it when we sit down. (laughs) We've been standing for far too long, Pastor Simon. We love it when we sit down. notice that God's promise to Joshua was wherever he placed the soles of his feet, not the cheeks of his... Yes? So there's something about standing in the midst of the promise of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. God wants me me to to be powerfully favored, supernaturally gifted, and abundantly successful. So try it again. Yes. Why don't you say it over somebody else's life? God wants you, God wants you to be powerfully favored, powerfully supernaturally, favored supernaturally gifted, and abundantly successful. abundantly successful. Now let's thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for his promise. Please take your seat. Now, all of that is true. It may seem a little bit gimmicky to you, but actually sometimes I think the church doesn't declare enough the truth of the reality of God's promise and provision to us here while we're on our journey from wherever you find yourself to the destination you hope to be. And if we forget that that is the whole purpose of the journey that everything pertaining to that adventure is about God wanting us to be powerfully favored. Do you know in the midst of your circumstance today, God wants you to know that you are powerfully favored. Don't listen to the PR of the enemy who comes to tell you something counter to that. God wants you to be powerfully favoured. Do you know why I know that? Because the one who is the favoured one lives inside of you by the power of His Spirit. You are already highly favoured. You are highly favoured if you never did a thing. Three of us are excited about that. Highly favoured if you never took a step towards the destiny that God has for you. Because you are favoured because Christ is God's blessed Son, who by His Spirit lives inside of you. God also wants you to be supernaturally gifted. Now, for us to be highly favoured and not supernaturally gifted would mean that we would try and get where we need to go by human effort alone. It's not enough for us to be... Uh, You know, favored in in God in that God has a plan and a purpose to prosper and to bless us but actually to get us into the fullness of the adventure and the destination He has for us we need to be supernaturally gifted. It's not by might it's not by power but it's by His Spirit. And if you who have been born again by the Spirit of God think you can fulfill the purpose of God without the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit then you are less than informed about how these things take place. You can't get where you need to go unless the one who already is there takes you and leads you by the Spirit to the promise of God. We must become hugely reliant and dependent on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I love the church because they say, Amen, but tomorrow morning you'll be making all your own choices. Before we get to the car park, somebody else will tell you something else and you'll think that's a good idea. Jesus wasn't just, you know, baptized by the Spirit or filled with the Spirit. He also was led by the Spirit. We don't just want spiritual encounters, we want spiritual progression. We want God to lead us by His Spirit into the places that He has for us. So we need to be aware that we are powerfully favored, that's a given. Supernaturally gifted, that's an exploration And abundantly successful. Now, can I pause here for a moment? Because I think some of us have given up hope that this could ever be true. We've almost resigned ourselves to a mediocrity spiritually. And yet, if we're not careful, if we're not filled with that kind of passion about the future that God is offering us, then what will happen is our souls will become dull. And if we're not careful, our lives will become embittered. You were created for greatness. Greatness is within you through Christ and the Spirit will enable you to be the great person that God has called you to be. So God wants us all to be powerfully favoured. He wants us to live in that reality. Supernaturally gifted. Anybody up for more exploration of that? And abundantly successful. But here's the problem. But the progress to your promised land may not move as fast as you would like it or think it it should. This particular scripture starts with this phrase, do not be terrified by them for the Lord your God who is amongst you is great and awesome in power. I think the King James Version says he is the God who is great and terrible. What does that mean? How can you be great and terrible? Well the truth is simply this, that to those that God loves and has relationship with, he is great. Amen? But to those who are against him, he is terrible. Isn't it heartwarming to know that your enemies are his enemies? Come on, wake up church. Because the gateway to some of this progress and promise that we're waiting for and moving towards will be marked with adversity. And in the midst of adversity, we need to remind ourselves that our God is great. He's great to us. Here's a demonstration of his greatness. He sent his perfect son, Jesus, to die that you may live. How great has God been to you? Come on, you miserable people. How great has God been to you? I mean, you did nothing to deserve that great act of God in giving through His kindness and generosity and love His perfect Son to die on a cross for you. Your sins were forgiven for you before you even knew you needed them to be. How great is our God. The God who sent His Son who is great to die for you and your great sin rose from the dead on the third day and conquered for humanity the slavery that we have if we accept his invitation for forgiveness to be entrapped in a lifestyle of decay and brokenness guilt and fear you did nothing about that except say yes to that gift how great is our God sing with me Oh, don't ruin it for me. I used to like this song. And oh, we'll see how great. great So our God is great to us, but to our adversaries, (laughs) to our adversaries, he's terrifying. He is terrifying to those who are against his people terrifying to those who are against his purposes. The fact that we serve a great God who is great to us is heartwarming, but to know that any weapon that's fashioned against us will not prosper because he's terrifying to our adversaries is a double whammy as far as I'm concerned. That's worth singing how great is our God three times through. Not just now, not just now. And look at verse 22 with me. It says, because he is great and we need to make up our minds about that and because he is terrible to those things that are against his purposes and against his people. He is at work in us to bring us from our promise through the process into his purpose that he has for us in our lives. That means every day I can wake up and be hope-filled. I can be excited I can find myself caught up in the story of God opening up His glory before me and not be downhearted or downcast. Why? Because my God is great to me. I am highly favoured, supernaturally gifted. Amen. Amen. Amen? Verse 22, And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you, little by little. You will be able to stop, unable to destroy them at once, In other words, what the scriptures are teaching us here is the gateway between our promise and our progress will happen little by little. It's not going to happen overnight. And there's a lot of reasons for that. So let me talk you through some of the things that I think may help you in the waiting room of God. As you're walking towards His promised land, You're working through the processes of intimacy and relationship with him, fellowship, and every upgrade that comes with that throughout the journey, knowing full well that his heart for you is good. And he has declared over your life that you will be powerfully favored, supernaturally gifted, and abundantly successful. You know, church, I want us to make up our mind that God is good. I have a friend, and he says, if you don't believe that God is good by the time you're 40, you might never get the fullness of that revelation into your 50s, 60s, and 70s. Now, I know there's nobody of that age or caliber here, so let me speak to the 30-year-olds tonight. We need to make up our minds, because if we don't make up our minds about the goodness of God, we will start to doubt his intent and his power and his capacity to take us where he wants us to be. If I'm not convinced that God is good, I will start to believe that the enemy is more powerful, that my circumstance is more problematic even than the promise that I carry in my life. I need to resolve in my heart that God is good. He's better than I think he is. He's better than I can imagine him to be. He is so much more profoundly good than I have the capacity to fully understand right now, but my heart tells me, my evidence displays to me that God is good, he's good and he's great. Now, amening it and omening it tomorrow morning needs to marry up. If he is great in a moment like this, he is great also on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and throughout the course of the week. God is always great. He's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. And so tomorrow, whenever my problem comes, he's still great. And he's working his promise out in my life and bringing me little by little towards my promised land. We need to stop debating whether or not we'll actually have victory. Victory is guaranteed to you if you're walking in step with the Holy Spirit. It's guaranteed to you if you're walking in obedience to the Word of God. It's guaranteed to you if you're living in intimacy and and, and a longing for the person of the Holy Spirit. It's almost impossible for you not to make your promised land. What is in debate, however, is the timing. When, how, and what will that look like? In Psalm 84, verse 11, it reminds us of the goodness of God. It says, no good thing would he withhold from them who walk uprightly. Church, I want to remind you tonight that while you're waiting for your promised land, while you're here with a promise in your heart and the the materialization of that hasn't come to pass, we need to walk every day of our lives uprightly, knowing that he would not withhold any good thing. In other words, God has it covered. God has provided everything you need. Victory, success, fruitfulness, blessing, all of the things that we know will come whenever we arrive at this place of of promise and fulfillment is already taken care of for us because God is good. We are powerfully favoured, supernaturally gifted, and abundantly successful. If you have a dream and a passion and a heart to come into the fullness of God, you will need to take care of your heart very, very carefully. Without that kind of soul shepherding, you will find yourself caught up with all kinds of other intrigues that don't lead to life. Now, God in his infinite plan wants to tell us this evening that he might be the one holding up our progress. We're heading somewhere, we're moving towards advancement, but actually it seems very slow. And while the enemy wants to use all of that to bring confusion and irritation or agitation and frustration to our souls because we're not quite there yet, when I think and ask and consider the person and the purposes of God, I recognize that actually it might be God who's holding things up. He might just love me enough to hold things up. Now that seems counterintuitive because you and I think that surely if he loved us, we would move quickly into his promises. But actually, God's not in a hurry. He's not in a hurry to bring you into your blessing. He's not in a hurry. In fact, I believe he's causing the delay. Why? because our progression can so easily become an obsession. Sometimes people are desperate to get somewhere without realizing that someone is with them here and now. You see, if I can't walk with God in my ordinary, I will never be able to sustain a relationship with God in my extraordinary. It is in the mundane and the routine or I start to build a robust relationship with him that whether I have much or I have little I am content. It could be that our delay is not the enemy and you've been casting down demons and you know binding and loosing. It might be that your good good father is holding things back a little bit because your character and your nature and your level of intimacy and authority has not grown to the place where you could substantially navigate your life in the midst of success. You see, greatness so often can highlight weakness. We can often abandon God whenever life is going well. Now, you think it's a struggle to hold on to Jesus today with some of the circumstances in your life. But can you imagine if God was to give you success overnight, just how disorientating it would be? Now, please don't pretend to me that it wouldn't go to your head and your heart. Suddenly, everybody's hanging on your every word. And two days later, earlier, nobody would even listen to a thing you say. Suddenly, you're catalysted into international ministry stardom. And three weeks ago, you couldn't even get into the back of the church without a warrant. These things can be highly contagious for the human soul. And if I can't walk with God in the ordinary, I will never sustain a relationship with him in the extraordinary. You see, I love the church. We keep asking God for an outpouring of the Spirit. The problem with that is everything that's in us will just get bigger when the Spirit starts to be magnified. So the good inside of you will get bigger, but the bad inside of you will get bigger. Why? Because it doesn't disappear, you're still the same person you were before God began to move. And how many times have we seen it over and over again where people start to become successful in some way and they get so successful they have no time, no space, no room, no scope, no heart and no possibility of staying connected with God. So little by little, it could be God himself that's holding you back. I mean, how do you feel about that? I mean, you've been spending 20 years binding and loosening. You must be exhausted from all of that. And it was God. No wonder you haven't had the breakthrough that you perhaps hoped that it was, when it was God himself that was holding you to himself to bring you into a place of confident clarity about who you are in him. Now, trust me, I believe that success will come your way. Fruitfulness will come in time. You will start to see the blessings of God, but God will keep you in that holding position until you are ready. Why? Because what we want to do should always be overshadowed by who we want to be. You see, more than success, I want to be like Jesus More than doing something great, I would like to be known by God who is great. In Luke 10 verse 20, the disciples come back and they're rejoicing with Jesus that the demons were subject to them. And Jesus said these words. He said, don't rejoice in that, but rejoice in the fact that your name is written in heaven. What is he saying? If your rejoicing is attached to your success... In human terms, then you have missed the whole point of what this is all about. We never want what we do to be overshadowed by who we want to be. God is at work in you right now to produce a robust relationship with him that actually will lead you fully and completely into his promise and his provision. In Matthew 7, verse 22, verse 21, it says, of this success story of ministry and exploits, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now the people in this story did amazing things for him. But the problem was in all their success, they forgot to have a relationship with him. Our relationship with him, church, is the greatest blessing of all. Whatever God chooses to do through our lives, we must first understand that he wants to do in our lives. He wants to do a work in me before he wants to do a work through me. I remember when I first went to Glasgow, the church was about, I would think, maybe 200 people. And we started to pray and to seek God's heart and desire for growth. We wanted the church to grow because obviously the more people caught up with what God was doing would enable us to be able to reach into the city. Within about three maybe three, four years of that, the church had grown to over 400 people. and I remember standing in a moment, just just having a moment of clarity and thinking, God, you have blessed us. And while we were worshipping in the service, God says, yes, I have blessed you, but Simon, you have forgotten me. You see, it's possible to have all of the trappings of success and to lose the very one who has produced that in and through your life. It's possible to sing with the tongues of angels and prophesy, but actually when all the noise is finished and all the pontifications, what's left is not a soul that's fastidious in its love and passion for Jesus. It's just a person who has maybe exploited Jesus to become successful in the eyes of other people. You see, I think we can get what we want at the expense of what we need. God knows this. God understands the human desire for success and fruitfulness. And he will give us the land and nothing's going to stop that. But we won't get there overnight. It will happen little by little. Why? Why does he do it that way? Well, I think the answer comes in the second part of the same verse, Verse 22, you will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or the wild animals will multiply around you. Victory and success will be yours if you follow God, church. It's not instant, it's progressive. The wild animals. You see, I remember one time we discovered, that we call it discovery, a lady in the church who had the most amazing voice. And uh, she had for years tried to write her own songs and, and uh, she produced some, you know, material and, and she became a Christian around that time when we were growing quite extensively. She came in with a number of people who came to faith at that point. And she was so good, a bit like some of the folks we have here, that you knew that she could be highly successful in any environment she was in. Now, she was so in love with Jesus. And I remember sitting with her and talking with her about her love for Jesus. She was truly born again. She was spirit spilled, she was repentant from her past, and she was walking in intimacy with Jesus. And then one day, somebody came up to her in the service and they said to her, you know, we're planning on putting some music together from the Scottish region. Would you be interested? I know that you write some songs. And she submitted some songs to this this, uh, producer. And before we knew where we were, Two of her songs were on an album that was released, and they were, they were profoundly good and in fact, they were the best songs on the album within months of that happening, we started to notice that she wasn 't around anymore that she was busy with her life and busy with her ministry. Now, I'm not the kind of person that wants to hold people back from the things that God's placed inside of them. And the truth is, church, not everybody who's called into that arena should be standing on a platform leading worship. Sometimes they have an apostolic or an evangelistic gift and they need to be out amongst the highways and the byways talking truth to people in environments that would never come to church. But the reality was that she became too busy for God her relationship with Jesus started to diminish. And in fact, I remember meeting her for a coffee a number of months into the journey. And this is what she said to me. I've stopped reading the Bible. I've started reading some other books, some, some help, help books. And I said to her, why did you stop reading the Bible? She said, well, I feel like I know the Bible. She'd read it twice through. I feel like I know the Bible. And I wanted to engage with some other thinking on what it means to be human. Well, you know, I didn't judge her. It's not For me to do that, but I came away from that conversation absolutely devastated. It was God who opened up the blessing for her. It was God who gave her the gift in the first place. It was God who exposed her to the church. It was God who invited her to the platform. It was God who gave her the opportunity to connect with the producer and to think that maybe a year or 18 months down the line she was too busy for God. I actually had to say in my heart of hearts, could that happen to me? Is it possible that success could take me from God, take me from church, take me from the Bible, take me from prayer? Is it possible that if God did something quickly in my life, I would forget that it was he who began this good work in me? Is it possible that if God gave me overnight success, I might be under the illusion of believing my own PR or press? And the reality is, I've seen it time and time and time again, where God begins to bless somebody and they get so blessed, they get blessed out of the church. They get blessed out of the prayer meeting. They get blessed out of, why does God do things little by little? So that that does not happen to his people. That whether they're on a stage in front of thousands or in a room on their own, they're still reading the word of God whether they've got lots of acclaim or nobody even knows their name, they're still in a relationship with God. When it says here that the beasts will come if you are to advance quickly, God is speaking of demonic forces that begin to move in on people who start to have exposure in the kingdom of God. And as I look over the years, I see there are people who have come from nowhere to somewhere and suddenly they're a target of all kinds of adversity. People have come out of hiding into a prominent place and exposure and they're under a massive attack by demonic forces that seek to rob their relationship with Jesus and lead them as far away from God as possible. Who is the beast? It's your pride. It's your ego. It's your desire to be significant. It's all of those longings in the human heart that fool us into believing that it's us that has made this happen. It's our arrogance enough to believe we can do it without him. And it's our stupidity enough to think that we have caused it. The beast can be anything or anyone, any part of you, any unmet need that starts to be fulfilled through success. And if you're not careful, the very thing that brought you to relationship with Jesus and kept you there for a while will be exposed to all kinds of temptations. And God chooses to move us little by little until our character is able to sustain us when exposure has come to us. If you were to become the evangelist you dream to become overnight, you would be an easy target for the enemy and you would be exposed to all of your vulnerabilities because your character has not been fashioned in privacy with God for long enough for that to sustain you into the future. Why does God not do it overnight? Because we're not ready to be able to walk in it whenever it comes our way. And it isn't just people who have careers in the music business. You know, there are men and women throughout the course of history who came from nothing and became something and God made them everything in the eyes of some people and now they don't even remember his name. I was hearing a couple of weeks ago of some very key ministers in the nations who actually are now renouncing Jesus as their saviour and their lord. These were the people that I would listen to who taught me about prayer and taught me about worship and taught me about those things, no longer even connecting with Jesus. If you can't meet with God in the ordinary, you will never be able to stay connected to God in the extraordinary. God will make your ordinary extraordinary. And here's what he does. He makes your extraordinary very ordinary. So let's read the scripture again and then we'll do some tidy up as far as personal application is concerned. Are you ready? Deuteronomy 7, verses 21 to 24. Do not be terrified by them, for the Lord your God who is amongst you is great and awesome. God wants you to be powerfully favoured, supernaturally gifted, and abundantly successful. His heart is for you in every bitch way that you could ever imagine and more to bring you into your promised land. He is not withholding. And when the enemies come towards that, he rises up against your adversities and he starts to produce in you a resilience that makes you the kind of Christian that can walk through the fire and not be burned. You can go through a whole manner of things when you know his intimate love with you and you will not be affected by it. We need to make up our minds on our bad days as well as our high days that God is good. Second thing to say is simply this, victory and success are no longer in debate. We can see from the scriptures that God desires for you to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue the nations and to take your rightful place as his child, his daughter, his son, in a governance role over geographical parts of the world, even territory and workplaces and whatever else. You are the head and not the tail, the first and not the last. God is for you and he wills that you will become all that he intended to do. Progress to your promise will be what? Little by little. Why? Because God is wise and he knows that overnight success has taken 20 years to fashion in you. If you can do the ordinary extraordinarily, then God will give you something extraordinary to do that will feel quite ordinary. It's important for us not to blame the devil. It might be God that's causing the delay. God is waiting for your character to play catch up with your calling. God is waiting for your maturity to come to such a point wherever whatever the world offers you, you will not be seduced. You will not be taken away with all of the fame and all of the exposure. Remember this phrase, I said it to you earlier. What we want to do should always be eclipsed by who we want to be. And we can get what we want at the expense of what we need. I believe that once we start to try and move too quickly, the beasts come and they start to devour us. All kinds of temptations start to come our way. And before we know where we are, we are crowded out by the world and God has been crowded out as a result.